0: Welcome to Geekcast, episode number 158. We are here today with Scattered Comics creators, Keith Carmona from the book Blank, and James Burton from Damage Inc. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. I'm doing fantastic. I am glad to hear it. So uh you're having bike and Volkswagen trouble today, James? Is that what I was hearing earlier? Actually, no. For, and I'm
1: not kidding about this. For the very first time in my life in 30 years, I wasn't working on my Harley or my Volkswagen I was working on a friend's Harley and looking at my awesome Volkswagen that's running and just looking at what I could do to make it
0: cooler. Awesome. I've never been in that position before. <laughs> <laughs> right. Keith, what kind of stuff are you into besides comics?
2: Oh, gosh. Well, my day job, I'm a high school teacher, uh, so it, that's, that's pretty full right there. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I'm a father of two, been married for over 20 years. And, um, yeah, I've, I've recently gotten into the comic book scene after, uh, Jason Doobie, who's the co-owner of Scattered Comics, and I got together and, and, um, you know, cause I've been a writer for a good part of my life, really since I was about eight, and, um, uh, had a, had a completed novel, Blank, um, uh, which, you know, um, it was just kind of sitting there, not doing a whole lot of anything, but, because um, I teach creative writing at my high school, uh, I got connected with um, Jason Doobie to come in and talk about comic books. Um, and he you know, said, why don't you turn your novel into a comic book? And so that's what we've been doing for the last few years. We had issue one come out a little over a year ago, and issue two is actually going to be coming out uh, here pretty quick. As soon as we get colors done, it will be ready to print.
0: Oh, awesome. Um, So, James, how about you? Besides uh, working on your cars and motorbikes and comic books, what else? What can you tell us about you? Uh, Okie
1: dokie. Let's see here. Uh, My day job is that I run gigantic warehouses for other people. Uh, Let's see here. I am the father of two kids, Mm -hmm. and I am also a cancer survivor. I have been drawing since I was about four years old. And, um, basically when I got sick with cancer, one of the things I promised myself if I survived was that Damage Inc. would get printed. So it was part of my motivation to get done and and away from a really terrible situation.
0: Okay. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your book, Damage Inc.?
1: Damage Inc. is about some buddies who go out and start a club to hunt down supernatural creatures and, uh, superpowered metahumans for bounties. Um... Well, the problem is they suck at it.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> I kind of so, like, like that setup. Yeah,
1: so every time they go out, it turns into explosions and gunfire and, and smack talk. They, the nothing really goes right. They really only have plan B and lots of guns.
0: That's pretty awesome. Keith, how about your book Blank? What's the, uh, the setup for that?
2: Well, basically Blank uh, takes place uh, in a small coastal town uh um, That because it can 't pay its bills, gets taken over by a corporation and then turns it into an adult playground of gun ranges and sex clubs and and fight clubs and things like that um and it uh really it sort of captures everybody by pumping them full of gaseous uh amphetamines and stuff and kind of keeps them hooked on this. And our hero really is uh, a journalist who, after the takeover, lost his job. And so he goes sort of digging around in the corporation and finding out about them. And, you know, usually corporations don't like it when we go poking around in their business. So they're trying to get him before he's able to release the truth to everybody and hopefully liberate uh, the town.
0: So, okay. And yeah. and one thing I was a little not sure of when I read your book um is it is it contemporary or is it slightly in the future what's the time setting on it It's uh it's futuristic
2: in the sense that you know a lot of the sort of devices and what the corporation does is rather futuristic in the devices but contemporary in the sense that the setting and the people and places are are you know taken really from um you know the the, the world we sort of live in if you will um I had a, a lot of you know inspiration because I do go to the coast quite a bit so I frequent you know, some of the small towns there, but I've also been to downtown Las Vegas too, and have seen what that's like. And I thought to myself, wow, what if these, what if there was a way to kind of bring these two together? You know, what would it look like? What if it sound like? And so, um, doing as, you know, as a writer that I am by nature, it's always kind of playing what if, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so putting those two things together, came up with this kind of, you know, thriller, nightmarish sort of story, if you will, of, of just complete, uh, corporate control and, uh, you know, leading the way to this sort of hedonistic city,
0: if you will. Gotcha. So it's kind of yeah. libertarianism run amok in Carmel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in a way. Yeah. That, that's, that's kind of true there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, I, I got a sense of it. Yeah. Now I, so what cities do you like to visit on the coast? Just, just out of curiosity.
2: Oh, you know, Mendocino is a really cute town right oh, okay. there. They have a great uh, music festival. But, yeah, my dad used to take us to Santa Cruz and Carmel, like, all the time. Like, every year we'd go there. So that place is, you know, a special sort of place for me. And, um, you know, so uh, it, it's just part of my past that I wanted to Sure kind of- thing bring up and and inspire the story. So Yeah,
0: my wife and I lived in Santa Cruz for almost 10 years. Yeah. And uh, so that was part of my sales territory was everything, that whole horn. Oh, yeah. Monterey Bay there, yeah. So we still vacation there like three, four times a year as well. Yeah, very good, very good. So, James, let's talk a little bit about how you got into, uh, well, you know, let's let's deal with this real quick. So you said it was a cancer diagnosis in a, a, a period of your life that got you to focus on trying to do things you wanted to do, and obviously the comic book was one of them. Yes, sir. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, okie dokie. So in
1: 2007, I had moved up to Re- Reno uh, very stupidly um in the attempt to try to make my day job uh really successful mm-hmm. and while i was there i decided that the best thing for me to do would be to be dumb enough to work for four or five months in a row at 16 to 18 hour days and try to sleep only three hours
0: Gee so, yeah
1: and somewhere around the third or fourth month i got a virus this virus rewrote my dna and gave me a very rare form of cancer the cancer landed me in the hospital, where pretty much every thirty minutes they would check to see if I was still alive.
0: Jeez. And
1: yeah, it, it's the kind of thing where, it, when I think about it now, I, I kind of think of if you guys ever watched uh, Jim Henson's um, Puppet Master or Storyteller show. Yep. He had this. He had this great story where death was sitting at the end of somebody's bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I definitely got to see death sitting at the very end of my bed for many months. Um, while I was stuck there in, in that uh horrible situation, this doctor came in to talk to me right after um, right after I was kidnapped and driven to California and when I got to California, I was sitting in this hospital bed I, I barely have been admitted, and this doctor sits down and he says, "Hey, you've got to stay positive." Because if you don't, the chemicals from stress in your brain will fight against your body, and so is your cancer, and that could kill you. So I decided to choose a few things that could motivate me to stay positive, which is a massive challenge. Um, I chose, one, to see my daughter graduate kindergarten. She was born three weeks before my cancer diagnosis. Oh, wow. Wow. And it was my first child, so uh, it was a kind of a motivating thing. The other thing was to get my Harley back on the road. I had been rebuilding it for a while and it was kind of like this father-son thing. Um, and the last was to see Damage Inc. finally get to print. So after, it took me about a year to survive all of that uh, where I had 14 spinal taps to get treated because the cancer was inside my spinal column. And After going through all of that, uh, and I got back to my day job, I realized that the reason I hated my day job so much is because I was not working on comics. So uh, my answer, of course, was to get more angry (laughs) and just emo quit my job, basically, move my family back to California, where I then got almost the same job, working for a different company. And eventually I sat down and said, I'm miserable and I need to work on my comics and started uh, making little bits of progress on it. Um, after I started making progress on it, I won an award at the uh, Action on Film Festival in 2014 for a horror book called Inheritance. And I took my stuff down and started selling it at Comic Cons. And since then, I've been absolutely enjoying every moment of every every day that I get to sit down and work on the book.
0: That's amazing. Um, Keith, let's talk a little bit about yours. You said you were running a uh, creative writing class for a high school. Yeah, and... that's right. I still am, actually. Oh, okay. That's um, that's actually, I don't hear many high schools that have creative writing classes. I'm actually pretty impressed to hear that.
2: Right. I mean, I, um, I and I've heard this, I usually try to have guest speakers for uh, to come in and talk to the students about writing and about the discipline and, and about the creative process and um, I've had a lot of writers come in and and uh, talk about them, not just writers, too, because for my class, it's really um, – I really go through the whole process, right? We start with a short story unit, then we go into memoir, poetry, flash fiction, uh, and then we go into comic book writing, and then we go into screenplay writing, and then they get to publish their book at the end of the year. And it's actually the comic book writing, obviously, where I met Jason, but also where I connected with James, too. Um, we try to have a scattered comics artist come in each year and, and talk to the kids and, and, uh, they really, they really like it when they hear from comic book artists and stuff, talk about the, the craft and creativity and all that. In fact, James was there last year and it was a uh,
1: lot of fun. I loved every minute. Yeah,
2: of it was great. The kids absolutely loved his appearance and, uh, his artwork and his drive and, His stories and his ambition, everything about that. And, and we always end up with like three or five uh, students who are just fantastic artists and fantastic storytellers are now kind of thinking, Hey, this is probably something that, you know, I should really consider doing. Um, and I know scattered comics has a, uh, internship program that they can go to, but some of them just, you know, they, they never had given it serious thought that this is something that they would love to do and i think having james come in and and talk to the kids uh about comics and stuff just sort of fuels that interest and you know it may not be the thing that they absolutely do hopefully it'd be great if they did um but they don't let it die they don't let that drive and that creativity just fall by the wayside um they they can see themselves doing this as future projects and things like that so that's astounding oh i'm sorry go ahead
1: I was just going to say that when this started, I had – when I was working on Inheritance, the guy that I was working with, my co-creator, was not the kind of co-creator you want to co-create with. And during that experience, somebody had mentioned to me a saying, and that's that you're supposed to become the person that you were looking for when you were a kid. And that concept dug into my skull, and and I heard it right before I met Keith. So the second that Keith mentioned that he was looking for somebody to talk in his class about his story, I I jumped at the chance to go do this because one of the most rewarding parts about what I do and about being at the conventions is when a 12-year-old kid, 14-year-old kid, 16-year-old kid who's been looking their entire life for somebody to tell them that they've got a value and that what they want to do and be is actually worth something. And you can see them. You can see them walking around. You can see them being scared. And um, when I meet them, I get a chance to actually encourage them and and basically be that person that I was looking for because I was that 12-year-old. I was that 14-year-old looking for not only validation but just – a path that i could follow and figure it out it's been a long hard crappy road for me the internet did not exist when i was in high school to try to figure out how to do this or in college it had to be something i put together years later after going through all that crap with cancer and and all the other insane things that happened during that time period so helping each one of those kids not go down that ridiculous long road i took is absolutely gratifying in a way that I don't even know how to describe. And Keith is a massive badass for being able to get a creative writing class in his high school and not just get it, but make it successful, keep the interest up, keep the faculty involved in it, and keep the students interested in it. So honestly, Keith, no matter how badass you think the rest of us are for being in there motivating those kids, the fact that you even set up that program in the first place is a (laughs) mother-friggin' miracle, dude, so...
2: (laughs) Well, thank you, man. Um, and and I, you know, James and I first met. In fact, we're going next weekend up to uh, Santa Rosa Con, is our next one. And um, you know, he drove me up there, and 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 all the fantastic stories of trials and tribulations and everything he's been through has been fantastic. And um, you know, and a lot of the creators and at, at Scatter, you know, become like an extended family. But you know, to me, James is is sort of a you know kind of a soul brother, if you will, um, because I feel like every time I talk to him or just I'm next to him, I just feel like I I learn so much more not only about the comic book industry but just about living in, in general and and you know trying to bring that energy into the classroom but i gotta tell you you know we're in our sixth year now of, of this creative writing class and uh, i think it's because of scattered comics and, and james and and uh those who come to speak to the students is part of the reason why i have my largest class this year than i've ever had i have 32 students in my class which is just amazing
0: yeah i'm 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 still, just amazed that you you managed to get that class put together, in <laughs> in this environment where we just kind of seem to like go nope. They take a test at the end of this year, and yeah. that's all we worry about. So I'm I'm really impressed that you managed to get the class together, keep it running. Um, I do want to ask you, how did you sure. first come up with the idea of reaching out to comic book creators, uh, Jason Doobie, sure. and have them come in and talk to your students? Where did that idea come from? Well,
2: first of all, I mean, informing the class and stuff—it can't just be me up there talking about writing and things like that because that gets boring after a while. I mean, with with you know the, you know, when you're competing against a lot of online videos and things like that, and I mean, the kids really want some good face-to-face with folks who do this for a living. They wake up and they they set themselves a schedule to writing and creating and things like that. And so I needed to start bringing in you know guest speakers for as many of the units as possible. So uh, you know, I brought in, you know, writers like Gail Sukiyama. And just a couple weeks ago, we had Sarah Gailey uh, come in and, and talk to the kids. She, you know, read a piece of fantasy for them. And I've had poets come in and and just with the comics, you know, I was looking for somebody. and I was trying to reach out to some of the big names back in Marvel and D.C. and, you know, Dark Horse stuff. And I couldn't really find anybody. And a friend of mine works at World's Best Comics uh, in uh, Sacramento. And he says, "Yeah, you should probably reach out to Jason Doobie." I'm like, "I'd never heard of him before." And and so, lo and behold, I I go on the website and stuff. Like, man, well, wh- how did I miss all this? Look at all these fantastic artists and and creators, and they're doing all these fantastic things with comics. So, that's when I reached out to Jason. And he says, "Yeah, I'll, I'll come talk to your class." And so he he came and and just that's you know it, it's kind of been an annual thing now and uh and it's been a real fantastic relationship um uh, both you know in the in with just not with just the guest speaking but coming on board to scatter comics and, and you know taking my writings and turning them into comic books it's been fantastic
0: that's great uh james how did you uh, come across scattered comics and jason doobie uh i stalked them okay <laughs> that's legitimate <laughs>
1: Well, yeah. Basically, what happened for me is while I was chasing uh, my day job, I, I wasn't out of comics, like, mentally. I still wanted to be there. I came across something that Jason was a part of called the Sacramento Comic Creators Group. God, dude, this was, like, 2004. And it was a Yahoo group, and they met every week and broadcast the meeting. And, and I didn't know what else to do to make comics happen, so I, I just read all their posts and watched. I did. I had no clue what else to do. And um, then when I came back to California, um, I was working on my day job on this really horrible, horrible customer. And um, I was really upset about how hard I was having to work for him. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the website for SACCON and they had tables available. And I was like, I'd really like to have a table And, like, before I realized it, I purchased a table. I didn't do it on purpose. I don't even remember clicking the button, but I did it. Mm -hmm. And then then it dawned on me, I don't even have comics printed. I have nothing ready. (laughs) So I went back through all the SCCG stuff and some other forums and some other stuff. I wrapped up uh, two of the projects that I'd been working on for a long time, got them printed in, like, two months, and got everything ready and got to the place just to just to get down to that con. And uh, back then, Jason was the guy who ran Artist Alley for Sac Con, and um, I, I got a chance to meet him and talk to him for a few minutes and uh, about Damage and some of the other stuff I was working on. And then after that, it was just I saw him at every con I was going to, and and we had kind of talked about Damage being at scattered. A couple of different times, Um, and then he reached out to me and actually suggested that we do a crossover with Shadowhunters. So it it just became a thing, and pretty soon I walked away from Inheritance, and my focus was this crossover with Damage Inc versus the Shadowhunters, which is one of Jason's books, and that's currently what I'm working on, trying to finish the second piece on. So it, and I also got to say that the second I was with Scattered. It, it, everything. It's not that everything got easier, but it's that I found like a welcoming place. The, the creators at scatter are there so that everybody can raise their boats with the coming tide. They don't end up fighting with each other over who has more, whose name comes first on the page billing, or who has what spot in artist alley, or any of that garbage. They really just try to help each other. Yep. And Jason and Noel are the two guys that are pretty much that have started and created that culture and they're the ones that all the rest of us are basically gathered around and working with as a result of it. So that was how I found myself there. And so Damage Inc. is getting printed there, and everything that I'm working on right now is going to be going through Scattered Comics.
0: That's amazing. Um, it was actually uh, through oh a friend who's – well, a guest I've met had on in the past. His book was published through Caliber, but we were talking about how he went from having an idea – and having it published and scattered is where he got his artwork done, and that was uh, uh, Andrea Molinari who did uh, the shepherd. And so after that, I always kept going. Oh, I got to remember to get get back to these scattered guys and talk to them. And one day, several <laughs> months ago, uh, Jason Doobie actually followed us on Facebook, and I was like, "Oh shit, there he is! That was my chance." <laughs> so, I have heard nothing but the highest praise for. Scattered, scattered studios slash scattered comics, however you want to look at them. Um, and I'm just going to throw this at both of you and let you guys, sure. you know, fight over each other who wants to answer when. But what's your experience been like working with them? Uh, what you know, kind of give me an idea of what it's been like to get a book done through Scattered Comics for you. Uh, it's been amazing, actually, um,
2: because you know, for mine it was a novel just sitting there, and it's you know, obviously it's taken a little while. To, to get things rolling and that kind of thing but the end product i mean is just it is just absolutely phenomenal and and james is right i mean the support is amazing along the way um you know they 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 really look to help promote your book in any way they can um, i always try to leave a little some extra space in my books so people can promote their own work so in fact i was just talking to jason a couple days ago about You know, what ads do we want to put into this book to help promote each other and stuff? And I mean, it's just you really feel like you're a part of a family and and nobody's pushing each other out of the way. No, me first and all that stuff. It's let's all go together. Right. And we're all on this ride, this journey together. And so we're there to support each other. It's been fantastic. How about you, James?
1: Well, dude, uh, I came off of that really bad collaboration that I just mentioned, mm-hmm. which was literally a nightmare that ended in legal problems. Oh, wow. And uh, I found myself immediately working with Damage Incorporated with with Scattered and, and working with Jason. The entire thing is set up so that everybody is working both independently but coordinated together, and it is a feeling where everybody just helps each other. Um, I went to ChicoCon, which um, – which, uh, scattered's a big part of and had, I think Shane run, yeah, Shane runs ChicoCon. And it was my first time at a table and not having inheritance around. And I had this huge pressure, this huge weight on my shoulders of not knowing whether I was going to be able to get the same level of attention without, uh, that other book being on the table. And you know what? I, I, it, it, at, Within five minutes of being at the con, all that drifted away because all of a sudden I was surrounded by all these like minded people who were there just to make good comics. And it, it, there was no BS, no ego, no none of that. And yeah. honestly, man, that it was exactly what I was looking for. And I have not regretted my decision once.
0: That's really cool. Um, so I got to ask you guys this as well, and I have a feeling that you're going to have different versions of the story here, but, um, (laughs) let's, let's go ahead and we'll start with Keith. At what point, if at any point, or at what point in your life did you get turned on to comic books? And do you remember what the first comic book that you really got into was?
2: Oh, wow. Okay. So this is going to come off as, as kind of weird. Um, uh, but around, I guess eight years old, um, I, somebody was having a garage sale when I used to live in Citrus Heights and. Um, I picked up some, some comics of uh, Power Man and Iron Fist and, um, Daredevil. I really had a thing for Daredevil. I uh, just really liked the story and, and the artwork and stuff. And, and, uh, my brother was more into, um, Shogun Warriors and Micronauts. So, okay. um, that was kind of his thing, but, um, we didn't have, you know, a whole lot of money. So, you know, we spent what we could at, you know, like I said, Garage says, and we used to read the same comics over and over and over again. So that's kind of where I got into that. And then, you know, when my parents split and, you know, sometimes some things got packed away and sometimes things got thrown out in the trash and as, 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 as that happens. Um, and so it, it kind of fell off the wayside for a while as I really started to improve, you know, work on my, Uh, more writing aspect you know without the the graphic portion of it but i've always you know been drawn to that i just it seemed to me almost inaccessible that you had to be somebody who lived in los angeles or new york and and you had to have publishers down the the street and and you had to really you know push your work and and just i wasn't in i wasn't there in the big cities and stuff so it, it seemed like a dream deferred if you will um but uh you know lo and behold you know here's the scatter comics here in sacramento and comics just in sacramento is really a multi-million dollar industry so yeah i mean there's the dream again it's like right there it's like wow this is something i read and now i'm actually doing it so all right james same question for you
1: okie dokie uh my dad is an was an outlaw biker meth cook okay and my mom was a hippie they had this incredibly nerdy son that they had no idea what to do with um my dad though had this capacity to always see what it was i needed or something about um the stuff that i liked and throw all of his stuff and set it aside so for example when i was a kid i was maybe four or five years old and um I was sick a lot and my dad, he worked out of town and one day he brings me on a Friday night, he brings me this big chalkboard and he sets it down in the living room and he waits and he's there all weekend. And then Sunday when it's time for him to leave, what happened every Sunday when it was time for him to leave is I would get upset and I'd throw a fit. You know, I'm four years old. That's what four-year-olds do. And this time, instead of just telling me to calm down or be quiet, he looked at me and said, okay, Jamie, here's the deal. I do have to go to work. But what I want you to do while I'm gone is I want you see this chalkboard. It's just for you. And What I want you to do is I want you to spend all week drawing me naked ladies and motorcycles. <laughs> oh, I, I don't even know how to comment on that one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so I spent the entire week drawing stick figures of boobs. And, uh, choppered up stick figure motorcycles all week long on that chalkboard. And when he came home the next week, he told me how great it was. Well, that, that validation turned me into an artist from that moment on forward. I knew I wanted to be an illustrator. I knew I wanted to draw stories, but I had no idea how to do it. I would enter any contest, any mention of book illustration. During school, I entered it, and honestly, I usually won them or got to, like, second place, something along those lines. And then one day when I was out with my dad and we were uh, on a ride somewhere up in, like, between Susanville and and Grass Valley or something like that, uh, we stopped at a gas station. And he let me buy a comic book, which was Incredible Hulk number 342 by – Todd, motherfreaking McFarlane, and uh, that kind of showed me what it was I wanted. And from then on, I was constantly trying to practice uh, how to draw comics and how to illustrate. And even though I had no idea how to get in the industry, uh, I—that's I, what I wanted to do and be after that. After seeing McFarlane's artwork, and uh, it was all because uh, my dad wanted to see naked ladies and motorcycles. Mm-hmm.
0: But then again, don't we all?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I pretty. If you read Damage, that's like three fourths of what it is. So.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's like I often say, people will be like, "Do you have Instagram?" I'm like, "Yeah, but it's just look at cosplay girls and greyhounds, and that's really it." You know? <laughs> um, yeah, McFarlane, though, uh, I've always had a love hate relationship with his artwork. Uh, my artwork is really stylized.
1: my My favorite artists are Sam Keith. Tom McFarlane, Drew Hayes. They were guys who drew what they wanted, how they wanted, and didn't worry about the concise lines that you'd see on Jim Lee uh, or, or some of his, uh, the army of people that wish they were Jim Lee. Um, yeah. So for me, I, I love stylized artwork, like in damage and whatnot. I'm a lot bigger fan of making sure the action is right there and that the pacing's right there so that you can understand the story that I am about. Oh, that, kneecap is slightly larger than the next one i don't do that i I like stylized asymmetrically balanced artwork that's where i live so uh, that whole version of it i know some people don't always get into his heavy blacks and and his very stylized stuff but for me that was where i lived sam keith and tom mcfarlane dude and tom and james obar and and drew hayes those were it's just those guys blew my mind like absolutely wide open
0: yeah yeah no i don't like i'm not i'm famously not a jim lee fan at all uh, some of my most quotable lines are my hatred for his artwork but um <laughs>
1: uh, uh, how everybody has the exact same facial features it's, and the it's, exact same look on their face everybody
0: everybody stands the same way everybody has the yeah. same expression um it looks like just a, a, a crosshatch. A box full of crosshatches threw up on the page is what it looks like. It's <laughs> over-rendered. But I don't need to get into that. Matter of fact, I always thought I might try to like pass myself off as my twin brother and get a shirt that says, I love Jim Lee's artwork, because nobody would ever believe I'd wear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just say, his, his stuff has got plenty of good
1: values into it, too. I mean, I, I agree that he over-crosshatches, but so do I. Uh, but his costume designs are are pretty damn on point most of the time.
0: You think so? Because I think he destroyed the New 52 when he did those designs. But see, it's not... The New 52 had plenty of positive designs. The problem is,
1: you don't redesign icons.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're icons for a reason. And the reason they didn't work was not because his designs were off, because they were gorgeous. If he had designed other characters that were not the freaking Justice League, then it wouldn't have done that. When he when he just tuned up Batman a little bit, everybody loved it. But when he sat down and redesigned Superman to look like um, hipster Superman, it, it didn't work.
0: Yeah. Well, my problem was, like, everybody's got a mock turtleneck, and everybody gets armor. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. somebody went, well, how about Wonder Woman? Okay, well, she gets a mock turtleneck choker, because we can't <laughs> do anything else with it.
1: Yeah, and why would Superman
0: wear armor? Yeah, I don't know. Just wasn't a fan. Um, gotcha. You know and I am a fan of are working comic book artists and people who get out on the road and promote their work. So let's talk <laughs> yeah. a little bit about getting out and doing conventions and what you guys have done to tell people about your books and because. It's one thing to, you know, Spider-Man's going to sell somewhere somehow to anybody. It's always going to be ordered. It's always going to be in the shop. You guys are fighting the uphill battle. You got to get out and make sure comic shops know about you, make sure fans know about you. Um, You can spout off in whatever order you like, but tell me about getting the word out about your books.
1: Well, getting the word out about any kind of an independent uh, entertainment project, whether it's comics, movies, or any books, is, like you said, an uphill battle. You're competing against... Uh, just legions and legions of fans trying to look a different direction and for other stuff. So it really comes down to making sure that you're on point with you know what your own identity is and then making sure that you're working with people who are willing to uh, put your stuff out there. Um, I think one of the biggest things that we've done recently, other than getting up and going out to the con for that first time because that's the biggest step that you can go to, We've also been working with a lot of different people, both locally and abroad, to try to promote the work that Scattered is doing. For example, Jason handles a lot of the local stuff, and he knows a lot of the shops. And he, That guy busts his ass to try to make sure all of the creators working with Scattered have their names um, being at least looked at by locals. Yep. The, other, the other thing that we recently started doing is we recently started working with Envoy Distributors, um, which is an East Coast distributor group. Um, and they've they're they've got – they're in about 60 different stores on the East Coast and whatnot, and they just started working with Scatter Comics where I think they've sold uh, – I'm not sure what the exact number is, but I know they sold some of Eli's work. And Keith, I know your books have gotten over to them already. We're just kind of now beginning that relationship um, and trying to get stuff above just the cons and trying to create um, – something more than just being able to meet us at the conventions. Right. But, I th- but I think the, the thing that I spend the most time on is definitely trying to get my books done, work with, through Kickstarter, um, and then get into the local con scenes. The cons are where you get to meet people and where they get to work with the creator and where you get to really see the, the face ah. of the person that you're trying to create these books for.
2: Yeah, I, everything that, that James said is, you know, um, you know, on point there. Um, I, I would add also the social media aspect is obviously, you know, a big deal too. We meet, uh, fans who there, people just browsing through pages and stuff. So like if they go to Facebook and they search for blank comic book, um, you know, I'll be on there and I post videos and updates, um, uh, the, 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 uh, podcasts like uh, we have here. Um, you know, and, and those kinds of things are are really helpful to getting the word out. Also keeping people up to date and interested and that sort of thing. And and again, you're right, because you've got the icons out there that will sell a lot, but I think it's it's our connection to the fans um and to the locals where they can meet us up close if they want to. They can come to a variety of events we have and and there just seems to be more and more interest, it seems like, um, with, you know, having scattered creators come to various comic book stores and things like that. I mean, it's just, it's caught on pretty quick here. I'm pretty amazed. It seems like almost every week or every two weeks, there's, Hey, we want scattered comics to come down to, you know, this store or something like that, or we want them to go talk to the school or whatnot. So it's definitely, uh, you know, Jason's doing a great job getting the word out there and we as artists are, also continue to support each other and, and, you know, give mention on, you know, the the cast like this and as well as, um, you know, support each other, you know, on the online as well. So,
0: Okay. What was something that you learned or discovered as you were preparing to have your comic book made or at any point along at getting it made that you were shocked to find out or something that caught you off guard going into making a comic book? <laughs>
1: Um, comics are a marathon not a sprint it it is you have got to be both dead set on getting it done but you also have to be like both patient and have the ability to um, make sure that you're getting your stuff done when I work on my stuff every single night I work on it a little bit it gets done. If if I tried to set enough time aside to do an entire book, I would never have a book made, ever. And um, for the longest time I thought that I had to try to set aside like an entire month so that I could get stuff done and I was never able to do that. But now that I just you know work on it every night and chip away at it, I, I'm I'm actually getting my stuff done.
0: Oh, somebody's somebody's Skype is ringing somewhere.
1: Uh, I'm in a house with like 18 computers. One of the boys just <laughs> okay.
0: um, for
2: for me it was a, it was a couple of things. Um, first, um, writing a comic book is not like writing any other genre out there, really, um, because as writers, you're conditioned to make sure you are showing every you know your audience all your details and and really getting them immersed into your words and your cadence and language and things like that uh, to make it really deep and, and substantial that way. Um, with comic book writing, you don't have to do that. And as a matter of fact, the other part of, to that is you can't go in, you know, if you're working with another artist like what I was, you can't go in there sort of being very heavy handed with, you know, the, the appearance of it, um, per se. What I mean by that is understanding that the person you're working with is also as much dedicated to their craft, the visual storytelling as you are, uh, with words as a writer. Uh, and so that's, that's a relationship that, that needs fostering. It needs a little bit of give and take there. Um, and, um, you know, you can't. Can't push, you know, an artist to say, "Hey, look, this wasn't—you didn't draw what was exactly in my head, right?" You can't, can't really go and do that. You have to allow some of that creativity and allow some of that freedom and really, you know, nurture that relationship because it's really important.
0: So, yeah, we're divas. We don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, I can see that. Yeah, I, I um. I am not a writer. And that meaning that I don't enjoy sitting down to write. I've got ideas for stories and one I decided I was going to go ahead and hire a writer to help me get it from one page outline to a script for a comic book or a movie or right. whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I send him over all my info. We talk a little bit about what we want to do with it. Um I go, "Okay, so you know, we're all on board, we're good." And the night before I was going to send him the first check to get him started. He basically hits me up and says, hey, by the way, I think your story sucks, and here's how I can fix it.
1: <laughs> okay, so when I said weird divas, that doesn't give us the excuse to
2: be douchebags.
1: And... Uh I, I, I get where you're coming from because that's not professional either. There, look, there's a huge difference between collaborating with somebody and working for hire. Mm-hmm. When I'm working for hire with somebody, if I cannot make what they wrote down work, I will tell them I've got to make a change because I cannot draw exactly what you wrote, etc. Um, if I'm collaborating, it's completely different. If If I'm collaborating with somebody, it means that it, it's got to be a give and take the way Keith describes and where you gotta kind of have to work together. Um, but, but there is definitely a difference between the two relationships. Mm-hmm. So telling a writer that his story sucks when he's paying you to get it done and then taking it that far, I, I, he kind of uh, – that's taking it a little far. Yeah. yeah, pretty
2: much. Uh, And look,
1: I'm not saying I haven't thought it,
2: (laughs) (laughs) but I think it's to interject here. I think that's why it's important for James and I to keep, you know, doing what we're doing for the the young creators and and artists that we talk to. Um, It's important for them to know that straight out of that so they don't, you know, learn that later on. And it's not that we're saying, oh, here, we're going to tell you everything so you won't make any mistakes later on, but just. Just the kind of etiquette and and to foster their relationships and stuff. Starting that early on will make them better professionals later on. Yeah, that's true. When
1: I was when I was in your class, we did we did cover that quite a bit actually. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So it 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 definitely helps people understand what they're getting themselves into. Um, it, it, making comics is is work. It's work that you love, but it's work. And anytime you're working on something like that, you got to have the ability to work with others and the ability to, uh, uh, you know, hit those deadlines and you you need both of those things to be able to do it.
0: Yep. All right, guys, we're coming up on time. My co-host, Ollie the Greyhound, is starting to get a little rambunctious over here and poking at the microphone. So, Mm -hmm. uh, Keith, why don't you tell us where people can find out more about your comic and uh, how they can get it into their comic shops, perhaps. Uh,
2: do a uh, search on Facebook uh, Blank comic book And uh, it should be the first one listed there You can click on that uh, I usually have event updates on there Again next uh, Sunday I believe it is We'll be at uh, Santa Rosa Con uh, Where James and I first took our Amazing road trip And so we'll be back there again And um, have the, I'll have the second uh, Issue of Blank Coming out here pretty soon I'll have an update on the website when that happens Okie
1: dokie. I can be found in a few more places than that. Let me see here. First of all, the Scattered Comics website at scatteredcomics.com. There's a profile for all of us, and we can all be reached through there as well as links to our books. Um, and then on Facebook, there's a Damage Ink fan page. I highly recommend everybody checks out. I do post on there quite a bit. There is my website, which is angrybrainartworks.com, which I post at. And where um, I try to keep everybody abreast of what I am doing. <clears throat> and on Twitter, I can be found at James Burton, I, I,
0: I, I. yes, <laughs> as in the second. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm <was> just curious. <laughs> Maybe you're a sailor. I don't know. I don't know these things about people. Um guys yeah, has been a lot of fun talking to you. I do appreciate you having or taking the time to come on. Um, is there anything else you want to get you know get on the record before we end this in uh, this recording?
2: Yeah, keep writing everybody and keep reading comics.
0: <laughs> Just for everybody to bust their ass, be creative. However,
1: way it works for them, and also, dude, thank you for having us on here. I really appreciate you yeah. spending the time to let us talk about something that we love so much. Thanks right. so much, Jeremy.
0: I love talking to people about the creative process because. It is something that everybody gets turned on by somehow, you know what I mean? It's like there's some element, if you're making a comic book, a guy who wants to make a web series can still learn how to get out and do promotion from you guys, you know, by doing something similar. Um, That's my favorite, my favorite thing to talk about are just those universal things. I love having guys like yourselves on because you are really into what you're doing and you know, shit, we all have day jobs that we don't feel all the time. But when you, you <laughs> when you have a creative outlet, man, it seems like no matter what, even if you only got two hours sleep, you can get up and talk about it for an hour without, you know, taking a breath. Yep. Hell yeah. Yeah, Hell so yeah. That's, that's always great. So uh, Keith Carmona, James Burton, thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, but for everybody else, you can find us at geekishcast.com. There will be show notes with all these links and everything in it. Uh so you can go check out more of their work and more stuff from Scattered Comics. You can find us on Facebook, uh in our Facebook group, which is just by searching Geekish Cast. I tweet from at the Geekish Cast and I am on Instagram, but like I said, if you're not a greyhound or a cosplay girl, I probably won't see your stuff. So until next dude, time. Dude. <laughs> I was
1: going to say, do you check out the girls who are cosplaying as Greyhounds?
0: I've tried, but it gets into a weird place, man. Ah. It gets into a weird place. (laughs) So anyhow, everybody, we'll catch you all next time. Geekish Cast is a Via's and Victor production and is part of the Astro Panda Productions Network. You can find us now on SoundCloud and on Blog Talk Radio. Our theme music is taken from the song Out to Get Mine by Rain of Zeus. Check them out at rainofzayas.net.